Please pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together in your name and to worship you. Lord God, we pray that you might uh, put your words in my mouth and may I proclaim them faithfully, Lord, that we all might encounter you and hear you speaking to us. Lord, and we pray that you would touch our hearts this morning by your grace and power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is so good to see you all today. Well, anyone ever used this stuff before? It's kind of hard to see from back there. Crazy glue, that's right. And what does crazy glue um, promise to do? Stick things together, right? I found that I am most successful at one thing with crazy glue. Sticking my fingers together. Or sticking them to the object I'm trying to glue. Right? You know, you're trying to hold that, like, handle on a teacup, and then you realize, what? The cup is doing all right, but your hands are stuck. You're using that cup for an awful long time, right? Now, um, it's not meant to glue fingers together, though, is it? All right, it's not its intended purpose, but it works really well that way. And what happens then when you try to pull the things apart, your fingers, off the object? It tears your skin off, right? You end up leaving a little something of yourself behind, right? Either you've got part of your finger pad stuck on that teacup still, or your fingers, you know, you've got part of one on one and part of one on the other, right? You're just a mess. That's what crazy glue does. It's meant to be put together, but not meant to be pulled apart because it forms a bond which is irrevocable, right? You're stuck. Now, in our passage... Uh, Jesus is approached by the Pharisees. And who are the Pharisees? The big deals in the church, right? They're the extra super holy people. right? They're the people who've got it all together. They love the law of God. They've like, not only do they love the law of God, they love the law of God so much they make other laws to make the law of God safer. Right? So they just love it. And they are the people who everyone looks at and they're like, they're the holy people. Right? The Pharisees, that's them. And so the Pharisees, uh, they want to know what Jesus thinks about divorce, right? And they're thinking, maybe he'll say something foolish in the debate, and that will lower his poll ratings, right? They'll be able to, like, back him into a political corner, and then they'll be able to say, ha-ha, now we can take it over from you, right? Maybe it'll damage his following. And so they ask him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, this was a hot potato question in the first century A.D. as well, right? Is it a hot potato question today still? Yeah, would you like to be asked this by somebody? For them to come up to you and be like, hey, you know, I was wondering, tell me your views on divorce. Right? Would you like to just kind of expound on your opinions on this matter? Nobody's raising their hand and wanting to, right? Matthew does, right? Uh, And why don't we want to say anything about this? It's a touchy subject, right? I mean, does anyone have any association in any way with someone who is divorced? Right? All of us do, right? Either we are divorced or our parents are or friends or neighbors or whatever. I mean, it's everyone is touched by this topic. And so you tread lightly here, right? Angels fear to tread in this territory. Right? And so the Pharisees, they think they're going to get Jesus. They're going to throw him this hot potato question, and Jesus is going to bobble it, and they're going to be, ha ha! 
you're not who you say you are. They think they're going to get him. But Jesus, if you've never noticed this, notice it now. He's a smart guy, right? And he knows how to handle hot potato questions, right? Because what he does to the Pharisees is he says, oh, you tossed me the hot potato? Here it is back to you. What does Moses tell you about divorce? Right? And did the Pharisees like Moses? Yeah, he was their dude. Right? Moses is the one the law came through. And so for the Pharisees, this is like their MVP, their all-star. Right? This is the guy they always look up to. That is Moses. I mean, so they say, well, what did Moses command you? And they're thrilled that he's gone this way, right? Because if there's one thing the Pharisees know, it's the law of Moses. And so they say, well, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. Now, they're probably feeling pretty good about themselves at this point. They're like, oh, yeah, Jesus threw us that change up, but we just smacked it, right? We nailed it. We know what Moses says about it. But then Jesus throws the curveball at them. They don't realize it, but they've completely whiffed on this. Because Jesus says, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. I have a feeling the Pharisees were reeling at this point, right? They were kind of trying to reorient themselves because Jesus took their simple answer from the law of Moses and said, yes, that is the law, but the law was given because of hard hearts. That's why that came about. They're tough words from Jesus. Anyone find those simple words that he's saying? No, those are deep, complicated painful words for us. And in typical Jesus fashion, what he has done is he's taken the law of Moses and he has elevated it to an incredibly high level. Right? He said, look, even obedience to the law, even doing what was okay according to the law is breaking the very desire of God's heart. Right? Because God demands something deeper than a mere simple reading of the law. God demands something more profound than what Moses allowed you to do. God wants something more out of us than that. And so why would Jesus do that? Why would he make it so much harder? Why wouldn't he just say, like, ah, it's all right, don't worry about it? Why would he make it so much harder for us? It's not supposed to be easy. It's exactly right. He does this for two primary purposes. The first reason that Jesus elevates the law to this level is that the covenant between husband and wife was designed to reveal to the world the covenant between God and his people. The Bible is full of examples of God using, God describing Israel's relationship with him by using the language of husband and wife. Right? I mean, you're familiar with the Old Testament. All of those things about um, God redeeming his people and, 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 um, and then them stepping away from him and the connection with adultery and the stepping away from that covenant with God. I mean, he's, the Old Testament is full of that language. And the New Testament as well. 
The church is the bride of Christ. Is that a marriage image? Yeah. There's all these ways in which God connects the relationship between a husband and wife with his relationship with us. The relationship between man and wife was designed to be designed by God to reveal to the world that covenants were important and that something significant was going on there. That something powerful was going on not just in that couple's life with one another, but in the world's relationship with God. The Lord wanted to see people who had been called to marriage be committed to one another for their entire lives, just like he wanted his people to be committed to him. Because he knew that when the world sees commitment, the world sees an aspect of God's character, and it can lead them to him. So that's one reason he elevates the law to this level, right? Is because God cares about covenants. He cares about them because he has made covenant with us. Now, the second purpose in this discussion, or that he's raised the level to this level, is that Jesus wants to crush us under the law. How's that for motivation? Anyone feel good about that one? I didn't hear any amens at that moment, right? No, this is such a good thing, though. So please, bear this out, right? Jesus wants to crush us under the law. He wants us to see that our lives in relation to the law completely do not live up to the standard. He wants us to see our lives as they really are, right? Bent, twisted in many ways, hurt, flawed. We don't live up to what God calls us to. And he wants us to be broken under that law. In this passage, Jesus says that divorce and remarriage is adultery. Is that painful for anyone? I, it's painful for me, and I've, I'm married to my wife still, right? That is a painful thing to read. Because that connection, I mean, adultery, everyone says adultery is horrible, right? Nobody's like, yeah, I love adultery. Well, okay, well, I don't, wanna, I don't want anybody to comment on that one. <laughs> right, we'll just keep our mouth shut at this point. Um, but nobody endorses it as a good position, right? Nobody says this is good for your life, right? It's a bad decision. Um, but that's a painful thing for, for him to connect because for so many people, remarriage has been a sign of hope, right? It's been a sign of redemption. But here he's saying it's connected with adultery, and that's super rough. And I can't find a way to lighten it. I'm sorry. I want to find a way to make everybody feel good about it, but I can't do it because Jesus doesn't allow me in this passage. And so instead of lightening the weight of that, instead I'm going to expand the scope of it. Not only is um, those who are divorced or remarriage, is that considered adultery, but all of us, every single one of us, has fallen to adultery. You might ask why or how? Well, based on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says that anyone who has thought a lustful thought about another person has committed adultery in their heart. Anyone ever been there? Uh, You don't need to raise your hand, right? Because all of us have, right? Every one of us has had that thought. And in so we are all condemned. All of us, therefore, stand equal. Not just those who, uh, in this passage, Jesus refers to the divorce and remarriage, but all of us, every one of us, single, married, faithful, unfaithful, all of us, stand in condemnation under the law. 
we have all broken God's commands. And he wants us to see the rebellion and unfaithfulness in our hearts. But he doesn't want us to stay there, does he? This is not the wallow in guilt sermon, okay? He wants us to realize our brokenness so that we will see our utter and desperate need for him and for his salvation for us. That is ultimately, ultimately why Jesus raises the law to such a level that it is unattainable. It's because he wants us to see our brokenness and his hope that he offers us. And I believe that's why our gospel passage closes with the discussion of children. Right? Anyone think, like, that's kind of weird? He's talking about divorce, and then suddenly he's talking about kids. Right? In, the pa- in that passage, he says, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Children are unique in that they come to a parent with absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Children come with open hands. They come knowing that they bring nothing into the relationship. They don't come with like a 401k or like a you know, sweet retirement plan or anything like that, right? Kids come with nothing, needing absolutely everything from their parents. They don't come conditionally, but totally and with whole hearts. That is what God wants of us. This passage is not saying that... um, We have to read this right, right? This passage is not saying that if you're older than 10, you can't know Jesus. Right? It's not saying that. It does not say you have to be converted as a child. Rather, it is saying that all of us, we all need to come with the knowledge that Jesus Christ is everything we need, just as a child does that to their parents. Like a kid who has fallen and cut cut themselves, comes running to their mother so must we come running to Jesus Christ, knowing that we have nothing and that he has everything that we need. Now, this is a heavy sermon, right? At least it feels like it to me. You all aren't laughing a lot. I noticed that, right? None of us like talking about divorce. None of us do. Because for all of us, it touches a point of pain touches a place of brokenness and of suffering. But for Jesus, those points of pain were important. Right? Because those points of pain were places that he could reach in as the healer and touch a person's heart. Jesus didn't shy away from those places. That's why he jumped right into divorce. That's right, he jumped right into adultery and other circumstances, right into prostitution. I mean, all these things that we would, like, definitely stay away from, he jumped right into those discussions. He wasn't afraid of it, because he knew that he could touch the human heart, and he could heal the broken. He knew that it was a way that he could get us to see our hard hearts and repent of them. To see that we were living in a way that was contrary to his plan. To see that glued fingers, the things that have been bound together by God, were not meant to be torn apart. But God, God is like this glue. God is like this crazy glue, right? Because 
is no, interesting what he quotes about marriage. He says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. The beautiful thing about God is that he just doesn't stick us to another person. God sticks us to himself. We're terrible at keeping covenants. We're terrible, not just culturally, but individually. We are bad at keeping covenants. In a little bit, we're going to do our baptismal covenant for the baptisms. Uh, In our baptismal covenant, we say we're going to treat everybody with respect. Right? Anyone ever sworn that baptismal covenant before? Yeah, everyone should. Everyone who's been here for a baptism has said it. Right? Anyone ever treat somebody with disrespect after that, since that time? We've broken covenant, every single one of us. That's the reality of being a human, is that we break covenant. We're selfish. We get misguided. We do things we shouldn't do. We get into trouble. We break covenant. But God wants us to know, and the reason he brings up this marriage thing is because he wants us to see how very, very important covenant is. Not because we don't keep it, but because he always keeps his covenants. And just as a parent loves and cares for their child unconditionally, God loves and cares for us. There is hope for us, covenant breakers. There's hope for us. There's hope for us that Jesus Christ will keep his covenant for us because that crazy glue that he uses to bind us to himself cannot be torn apart. We are with him forever when we turn over our hearts and lives to him. And so we entrust ourselves to him now. We entrust ourselves to his grace and love. We confess our brokenness and we we receive from him his mercy because he offers us grace. If we've been divorced, if we've been in adultery, if we've been in all these situations, God does not hang that over our heads like the sword of Damocles. He offers us grace if we will but turn to him, repent, and receive his love. We are brought back into his relationship. All of us need that. All of us need to be reconciled to our Lord and Savior. And so may we come today and accept his grace and love and his forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you step into the messy things of our lives, Lord, so that you might offer us hope. Lord, we confess to you that each and every one of us, Lord, we all fail and fall short. We are all adulterers in our hearts, Lord God. We are all in rebellion to you in some way or other. And we confess this to you now. And pray, Lord God, that you would give us the grace to be faithful. Lord, it's only in your grace that we can be faithful to one another and to you. And so we pray that you would help us to do this today. Help us to love you, to serve you, for it is only by your power that it is possible. And we entrust ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.